Today is Monday, June 20th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Is Pope Francis set to resign? News is breaking this morning. That could be happening soon. We'll have that story and more on today's Quick Start podcast where we aim to bring you the news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help us by subscribing to this podcast. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, share it with a friend, all that good stuff. The news of the day can be quite frustrating, but it doesn't have to be. Join us. We'll help bring a little sanity into the mix, and we can get through the news of the cray, as we like to call it, together. And joining me, uh, as always, Billy Hallowell and Trey Gons Phillips from CBN's Faithwire. How is it going, guys? Happy Monday. Happy Juneteenth to everybody. I am pumped. Yeah. I am pumped to be diving into the week. I'm yes, ready. Yes, sir. Let's go. It's it's crazy that it's June 20th. Like, I know. Where it, is the It does feel like the going. year just started. It does feel like the year just started. I, uh, it's, well, it's crazy. Yeah. It, well, it you know what that means. Christmas is coming. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> day of the year. So we're getting closer to Trey, Christmas. And Trey so. is the, our local Mr. Christmas. He's... Well, He's the one that has his lights up first and keeps them up until last, the, well, right? Well, do you know? <laughs> Trey, Trey and I are in a competition. Until Christmas. So. I'm just telling He's, you. Yeah. He's counting it He's down. He's got a ticker. He's counting it I down. Have, but. I do have a countdown on my phone. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. boy. Well, it is Juneteenth. Don't no. sell June Juneteenth short. And, uh, of course, it's known as uh, Emancipation Day or Freedom Day. And it commemorates June 19th. So they actually observe it today. But in 1865, when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, and gave word to enslaved African-Americans that they were free, this was more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Bill Nye was wrecked for a tweet where he got all the facts wrong. And uh, I just wanted to point that out, because when famous atheists get all the things wrong, it's just, uh, it's noteworthy to me, you know? So I'll just leave it there. (laughs) But what else is coming up on the pod today, guys? What do we got? Well, we're going to be talking about Americans' belief in God plummeting, uh, but we're going to dig into those details to look at the groups where it increased and decreased the most. And then the international body governing policy for Olympic swimming is making waves today, pun intended, Yeah. Uh, for banning some trans women from competing as women. So we'll get into that. Yeah, big hot button issue there. And on the main thing today, on the heels of Father Day weekend, Madison Seals is going to be taking a look at fatherhood and what happens when the dad isn't around. We're seeing some commonalities on several of these mass shootings, for example. This is a great report you do not want to miss. But uh, up first today on the first thing, will Pope Francis be resigning soon? The Pope has postponed a trip to the Congo and South Sudan. He is citing knee pain for that. He also announced a consistory to name new cardinals uh, during an August holiday. And he also uh, has just been open about kind of health issues and things that he's been dealing with, some nerve pain, and that has fueled this speculation. And uh, Megan Kelly, formerly of Fox News, who has a Megan Kelly podcast now, she just happened to be there on a family vacation. And uh, she posted an update from the Vatican because she saw some unusual things going on. Here's a little bit about what she said. I'll tell you, inside the Vatican moments ago, we saw a ton of cardinals, which our guide tells us is highly unusual. Uh, They're not used to seeing that. That's not normal. And moments earlier when we were in the Sistine Chapel, uh, a priest or a bishop unclear came in and gave us a blessing. Also highly unusual. What was he doing there? Why was he doing that? What did he know? Uh, But there's a lot of buzz going on right here. So news as we get it so there you have it megan kelly on vacation and she just is breaking news this morning so 
there you have it from Megan as well. But so a lot of rumors, there are reports out as well. And the Pope is 85 years old, guys. And this is all kind of extraordinary because Popes don't often resign. Um, you know, Pope Benedict re renounced uh, his reign in 2013. But it's, you know, as Billy, as you were saying, there's not a lot of popes running around. Um, usually they just yeah. kind of go until they pass away. And then that's that. But uh, Pope Francis is 85. So he's getting up there. And this consistory thing is is for August is kind of an unusual thing. It's not something that they, that they do all the time. And so it's just fueling a lot of speculation, as Megan was saying, and as reports are going around. Um, but it's not a given, though, guys. According to some sources that were cited in, in different outlets, they said that in the Pope's entourage, the majority of people don't really believe in the possibility of him resigning. So we shall see. Time will tell. But that is uh, big news breaking this morning. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you would technically have three popes then, two retired ones and, you know, the new one floating around at the yeah. same time. <laughs> not something that, I, you know, probably ever, maybe. No, I, no, there was only, I believe there was only one other time that a pope resigned before this latest one, right? So this would be the third time. And so there, I don't think there had ever been a time where there were three living yeah. popes, but I yeah. could be wrong about that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the job is just too tough. Like, uh, we're going to step back from this, but they're all still, <laughs> but they're also, like you said, they're all still alive. So that's, that is interesting, you know, to, yeah. to see what, like, what would that mean? Uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I I just wonder what would that mean with the new pope then? Because then would ever would there be too many cooks in the kitchen? Would the other popes want to kind of weigh in? So yeah. I spiritually, I don't know like how how that works as the, far as uh, you know Catholic theology. Right. But it's yeah. Certainly interesting. They have like pope brunch together, they get together <laughs> and just like hang out and talk. Like all the that's like a small club of former presidents, right? They could yeah. get yeah. together. And then how do they travel around? Do they still get to get pushed around in the like the Pope cart thing where they're elevated the up with their hats? Yeah, the Pope mobile. Do they still get to do that once they're done? I don't know. Yeah, a lot of questions. But uh, but it is interesting. <laughs> obviously, people are interested in this sort of thing. Even if you're not Catholic, people obviously are interested in this. It's sort of like the monarchs. You know, people are fascinated with the royal family. And um, I mean, I'm not in that boat, but I know a lot of people are. And so it's it is fascinating to watch. But uh, but big news. Nonetheless, and of course, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you, as uh, as news becomes available. And um, you know, speaking of just issues of faith, guys, uh, belief in God at the lowest it's ever been. But a look under the hood of these numbers has some telling info. Yeah, so we've got a cultural crisis afoot, obviously, and so it's not entirely shocking to see these Gallup numbers coming out. Gallup, since 1944, so really long time, has been measuring how many Americans believe in God, what percentage of the country, and right now, in 2022, it is at 81%. That is the lowest ever recorded among Americans. So just 8 in 10 Americans saying they believe in God. Um, and this is notable because it's down from 80 87% in 2017. So you've got a six percentage point dip. Um, it was 92% in 2011. So a lot of what we're feeling is happening in the numbers here, right? In terms of changes in American culture, 17% saying they do not believe in God. Um, so pretty, pretty notable numbers and they've made headlines, these proportions. But what's really interesting is when you dig under the hood, when you look at the other things, what are the subgroups doing? And, and so, let's just talk about the two groups that have been virtually unchanged. Now, there are just two of them, conservatives 
and people who are married. Uh, so it's really interesting because if you look at the data from 2013 to 2017, 89% of U.S. married adults said they believed in God, and that was still at 88%. It went down one percentage point, so that's not statistically uh, significant um, in 2022. So being married, somehow those people, the perspective on God has not changed. And then 95% of conservatives say that they believe in God, and that was the case in 2013 to 2017, it's still 94% in 2022. That is notable. Married conservative. On the flip side, who's driving this decrease, right? I mean, that's the big question. And when you look at three specific groups, these are the groups where it has plummeted the most, belief in God. Liberals, 62%. They are the least likely cohort to believe in God. That number, that 62%, is down 11%. Um, and then if you look at Democrats, 72% of Democrats say that they believe in God. That is the biggest decrease, though. If you go back to 2013 to 2017, they have had a 12-point decrease. Uh, and then also young people. So this is not shocking. Young people between the ages of 18 and 29, they declined from 78% to 68%. Um, but really, it looks like Democrats and liberals and young people, those are the three groups that are driving this decrease in belief in God. Mm -hmm. And of course, these numbers come as the country is grappling with violence and epidemics of suicide and overdoses. I mean, go down the line, the country is in crisis and we're watching this belief in the almighty really wither away at the same time. Mm. Interesting numbers and uh, it, surprising, but also not surprising in some in some areas. But uh, when I think about the indoctrination that's happening, especially when it comes to faith and Christianity in uh, many of our institutions, like public schools, for example, and within the government even, and just in all of the other areas of culture, Hollywood and the media and so forth. It's it's not shocking to see young people falling away because look at what they're being told. So it, it certainly people that say, oh, you know, your religion is not under attack, et cetera, et cetera. When you're constantly told, oh, that's for that's for at home. And then it, and then Christianity's mocked in culture it's having an effect. I mean, it's a, it's a long game. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. One of these ridiculous comments isn't going to just suddenly make a bunch of people fall away from Christianity, but over and over again, the drip, the slow drip really appears to be having an impact. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's, uh, if this is causing people to walk away from God or if this is a result of people walking away yeah. from God. But I think the fact that we have live in this uh, constantly uh, me-centered culture, like everything is self-care and everything is, mm -hmm. you know, your truth and my truth yeah. or, uh, you know, what's, how can, how can you do you or you, you know, you live the, the best way that's for you. Like, I think, um, it certainly is contributing to it, right? I think more and more people are, are walking away from God or just not acknowledging God in our mm -hmm. culture uh, because there's such an incredible focus on yourself and whatever makes yeah. you happy and following your feelings and following your heart. And nobody can tell you that that's wrong. And I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you can't help but turn away from God, yeah. right? Because it's a... It, increasingly encourages you to be relativistic and have your own truth because uh, if there's a, a moral truth that's separate and apart from you, well, then you wouldn't be in control. Uh, and that's our mm. society. Human nature goes against that inclination. Yeah, and I, that's a good point. And I, and I watched uh, um, a lot of these, uh, I don't know, it was um, a, 
some videos that some guy was putting on YouTube. He's a professor. I forget his name, but he's somebody you've probably seen talking against the woke stuff. And and it is exactly that. He was like discussing there are two genders. It was a sign he had, and he was discussing this with some college students. And it was exactly that, Trey. They just very emotional and very much like this is what I think. What about you can't talk about this unless you've lived that experience and you're not allowed to talk about it as if you can't discuss truths and things that are true or not true. It's your own truth. That's the only thing that matters. And so we're seeing the results of that play out. Yeah. Well, and it's not shocking to look at drag queen story time and to see which cohorts are (laughs) supporting it. I mean, let's just be blatant here. It's, it's it's interesting that that disconnect watching it in the numbers does validate some of the trends that we're seeing. Yeah, indeed. And one, and one of those areas guys where those sorts of issues have popped up, you know, the cultural things, the transgender movement is in this, in athletics and we're seeing leah thomas was dominating the swimming scene causing a huge controversy because should should a man a biological man or just a man be out there dominating women in sports and that's one of the ramifications of these worldviews that it's having on women and a governing Mm -hmm. board just ruled on transgenders in swimming and the results are raising a lot of concerns yeah so fina f-i-n-a the international federation like you said dan that's governing policy for olympic swimming uh, announced late yesterday sunday uh, that it will prohibit transgender women uh, like swimmer upenn swimmer leah thomas uh, from competing in women's races Uh, so the just announced rule states that transgender women meaning men who identify as women uh, can only compete alongside women if they have completed their sex transition by age 12. Uh, that, of course, raises a whole mm. host of serious concerns about significantly and you know, permanently altering the body of a child uh, because of his or her quote-unquote chosen sexuality. Uh, so that's obviously is a, a, a big issue, but we're going to set that aside to, to go through this story. So uh, from 12 years old and on, transgender competitors would then have to prove that they're continuously suppressing their natural testosterone levels. Uh, the task force that was commissioned with determining whether transgender women ought to be allowed to compete as women ultimately decided that women, that is natural born women, I know that's getting kind of confusing here, but uh, real women uh, simply cannot Mm. compete against anyone who went through male puberty uh, because they'll have, you know, an inalterable uh, level of higher testosterone, uh, which would give them physical advantages naturally. Uh, So moving forward, transgender women who who transitioned after puberty I would have to participate in a separate yet to be announced and established category. Uh, so the president of FINA, Hussein Al-Musalam, uh, said, we have to protect the rights of our athletes to compete, but we have to protect the competitive fairness at our events, especially the women's category at FINA competitions. He continued, FINA will always welcome every athlete. The creation of an open category will mean that everybody has the opportunity to compete at an elite level. This has not been done before, so FINA will need to lead the way. I want all athletes to feel included in being able to develop ideas during this process. So obviously it's still very much in the works, but it's huge news uh, and certainly to, yeah. to raise a lot of eyebrows on the left in particular uh, that transgender women, which is, is men, uh, will <laughs> not be allowed to compete unless they've fully transitioned 
by the very, very young age of 12. So yeah. as such, the new governing policy will prevent, like we were talking about, swimmers like uh, UPenn's Leah Thomas uh, from competing alongside women in inter- international events leading up to the uh, Olympics, which certainly will keep Thomas from competing in the Olympics, which uh, you can we can naturally assume was the plan. Yeah. Uh, so this this will this will be an interesting development for Thomas and other athletes, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And going forward to the looking at the what implications will this have? Because I think it incentivizes people potentially to do this sooner and to look at it sooner. Yeah. Because if you yeah. know the ramifications of this and you're thinking, oh, my kid's a trans, you know, you're one of those parents and you actually believe in this stuff. Well, you're like, well, my kid's five and or my kid's 10 and they like sports. I better I better hurry up and do this. And it's interesting, too, guys, because the CDC just lowered the um, uh, the the recommended age for starting transition to um, fourteen, so uh, you know the, the, this is getting lower and lower, and it, it's it's quite disturbing because if you start saying that kids can make these sort of choices at those young ages, um, I think it opens a Pandora's box to a whole bunch of other things. You know, age of consent that we don't really, you know, I don't know that the country's ready to go down that road. Yeah, at least with swimming, you don't, and maybe I'm wrong about this, it's anecdotal, but you don't necessarily know that you're a good swimmer until you're a little older, hopefully. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully with this sport, you know, you, this protects women and you deal with these other issues as you go. But that is a concern because, I mean, we're seeing these videos of parents not only bringing their kids to these drag, drag shows, shows, but yeah. saying, you know, I mean, like saying things like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I need to help my child do this and this is the right thing to do. And I think that's why attacking the ideology, we can enact policies all day long, but helping people understand not only the, the ideology, but the theology is so essential mm-hmm. to change the hearts yeah, and the minds. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, setting aside that very, very, very big concern, uh, and it is a big concern, uh, this is a victory, which who even knew we would need this kind of I a know, victory, right? But this is a victory for real women. So uh, yeah. that's there. there is a silver lining there, a little bit of good news in, in this policy. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, we're coming off of Father's Day weekend, guys, and I hope, hope everyone had a great one celebrating their dads or celebrating being a dad, one or the other. And uh, Madison Seals took a look at the troubling impact uh, that a lack of fathers is having on a whole bunch of areas in our society right now, um, including mass shootings. She discussed that and more on today's Main Thing. Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there and the ones that you just heard from on this podcast. I hope you had a blessed weekend with family and feel appreciated for all you do in raising your children to be men and women of God. It's so rare, but so important to value and carry out the role of a father. And that's the main thing we're talking about today, featuring some encouragement and advice from a special guest. But before we get to that, I want to mention the negative results that we're seeing from a lack of fathers in the household. It's not news to most people that there are negative impacts on children who grow up without a father present, but this has become especially apparent in light of recent mass shootings where we're starting to discover some common threads. One of which is that across many of these violent, senseless massacres, including Uvalde, Sandy Hook, Parkland, and Columbine, is that the young male shooter lacked a strong male role model. Just to put some numbers to that, 82% of school shooters either didn't grow up in a stable home with both biological parents or grew up without their parents together. 
The Justice Department website states that the most reliable indicator of violent crime in a community is the proportion of fatherless families. Just a few more numbers from the Department of Health and Human Services that make this point. 85% of youths in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. And children who lived with only one parent had, on average, lower grade point averages, lower college aspirations, poor attendance records, and higher dropout rates than students who lived with both of their parents. And as frightening as those numbers are, these are even more frightening. According to the 2020 U.S. Census Bureau, 80% of single-parent families are headed by single mothers, and one out of four children are living without any type of father figure at all. So our country is in a father crisis, and we're seeing the drastic results of it in the next generation. There's a growing need for godly men to model biblical masculinity to boys, and I'm talking to one of these godly men today. Mark Hancock is the CEO of Trail Life USA and a father himself to two grown boys. Mark, welcome to the podcast, and can you tell us a little bit about your ministry and why it's so important? Thank you, Madison. It's great to be here. Trail Life USA is a Christ-centered, boy-focused character leadership and adventure organization. As you can imagine, in a boys' adventure organization, we have troops and patrols and handbooks and a robust awards program, and the boys are out outdoors hiking and and uh, canoeing and doing all those things you expect from an outdoor organization. But we are unapologetically Christian, and we are also focused on boys. We have about 40,000 members. We're in all 50 states, about uh, over 900 churches uh, have Trail Life troops uh, currently active active in them. That's so refreshing to hear about an unapologetically Christian organization. You know, here at CBN, that's what we value as well. So it's just really encouraging to hear that. And you know, this was part of my question as well, is why is this so important right now? Yeah, well, specifically with boys, I mean, you talk about the crisis of men, and, and what we have now is a couple generations where men have been discounted in our culture. And it's pain, it's, it's, it's showing up big time right now. You know, we talk about boys as being the canaries in the coal mine of this culture. And you know that reference when they would put canaries in the coal mine uh, to determine if there are noxious fumes. Well, boys have stopped singing and they're falling off their perches in our culture. Now, twice as likely to be in special education, three times more likely to be uh, have ADHD. They have fallen behind girls in every single academic category. Uh, so many times, so many places that boys are suffering because we're in a culture right now that doesn't recognize that boys and girls are different and it doesn't uh, reward or recognize or, uh, or appreciate uh, the differences between uh, boys and girls. Now, boys and girls both need, we believe, programs that are aimed at their developmental differences, which is why we don't have girls in our organization. But there's a great organization called American Heritage Girls. That's our sister organization. They do a wonderful job with girls. But in Trail Life, we recognize that, that boys are different, that boys and girls are different. And that's something that our society is dismissing today. And, uh, and, and we're, you know, boys are really paying a price. Right. And I think that's demonstrated in those statistics that I mentioned earlier. Do those highlight the need for a father figure in children's lives, especially in boys? Yeah, it's it's really it's really critical. You know, girls have wonderful examples and single moms and 78 percent of of teachers are female. Uh, If you go to church on Sunday, it's typical. The the boys and girls are going to be in a classroom that's led by a, a woman. Um, so <clears throat> kids have a great, great examples of women who are doing an amazing job in our culture. Boys lack these kind of leadership examples. And particularly with the father, the fatherhood crisis going on and the number of boys that don't have a dad. So um, that's one of the things that we, we go after in Trail Off USA is, is if, if there isn't a dad in the program, 
we we encourage men to be a dad like and i honestly think madison that that any legitimate call to manhood must include a call to be a dad to a natural son or to be a dad like to a boy that doesn't have a father because mm -hmm. in the statistics you mentioned it's so critical that boys have a mentor someone to look up to someone who is like them that they can see okay this is what i can be like and uh there's just so few men in our culture in in those uh, positions as, as male uh, role models and mentors that boys are really suffering so in trail life uh that's one of the reasons that we're male centric is beyond a certain age uh, all of the boys are the troop contact is all men because I, we don't believe that you could build godly men uh, without godly men and so we surround the boys with with godly men so they can grow into godly men and you brought up such an important point that you don't have to be a biological father to be a father figure and i love how your organization is based on the example of jesus and how he treated women and children, because there's probably men listening to this who are not fathers yet. And that doesn't mean that they cannot follow the example of Jesus and be a father figure in the lives of young boys. There seems to be this growing shift away from masculinity or what some are calling toxic masculinity, quote unquote. We're seeing the negative effects of taking fathers out of households and telling men to be more feminine or less masculine. And what we're ending up with is more broken households and broken children. So why is it so important for grown men to be not just men, but godly men? You know, like you said, in our culture, there, there, there just are not a lot of good examples out there. And so through organizations like Trail Life, we're call, calling men uh, up to a up to a higher calling, looking after the next generation, we're restoring purpose in their lives, and purpose is huge for men. We talk about men and women being different. You know, we had a generation which they call the greatest generation in World War II that went off and fought. They gave their lives because they felt like it was important to to provide freedom for their families, and then when they came home. They, they went to work and they gave their lives there. Only the bullets there were heart disease and high blood pressure and stress and all that stuff. But they gladly did that because they, they, they understood that they found their identity and that purpose of serving their families that way. But in our culture today, because it's so blurred, men are not recognized or not given that identity or that appreciation for their ability to take risk and do competitive things. In fact, we removed risk from a lot of our our culture, however, in our schools, a lot of them don't allow tag anymore because it, it hurts people's feelings. You know, things like that. We're raising a generation um, that I think I call them unproductive narcissists. You know, they're un unproductive because we don't expect anything of them. And they're narcissists because we haven't allowed them to fail. And men need that opportunity to try something hard and succeed or to try something hard and fail and get up and try it again. And that's so critical to the development of men uh, in our culture and particularly godly men. In our culture, when we look through, look through scripture, we see men who are called out of the most unusual circumstances and really didn't believe that they had what it took. But in partnership with God, co-laboring with Jesus, they were able to do amazing things. Men like Moses or Gideon or, or David or these guys who came out of nowhere. Um, you know, we need to, I, I don't say these things to shame men. I say these things to remind men of who it is that they are. Uh, that in them is, is is the design of God in order to 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 be strong and to be responsible and to be capable for what it is a need to do. You know, women typically when they're depressed, what they need to understand is that they're loved. 
But men, when they're depressed, they need to understand that they still have power, that they can have power over their emotions, they can have power over their circumstances, and those sorts of things. But we tend to treat, treat men like women, and so we're missing the opportunity to call men into action, big godly purpose, big kingdom business of raising the next generation and pouring, and pouring into them and turning this next generation around. Amen. It's such an inspiring call to the powerful role of fatherhood that God designed for us, that God designed for children to grow up around. And it's an inspiring biblical call to manhood on this Father's Day weekend, but not just this weekend, of course, all the time. Yeah, the role of a father in a family, the role of a father in the church, the role of a father in the culture cannot be underestimated. But we're now going through a couple of generations of the discounting of that role, and it, and it's it's showing itself. But we have to remember who we are, and as men, we need to stand up. If we don't have natural sons, we need to find a place to go serve boys who are without fathers. Amen. Well, thank you for the work that you do through Trail Life, and happy Father's Day to you as well. Thank you, Madison. It's been my pleasure to, to be here with you. All right, Madison, thank you so much for that fantastic report. And uh, we're all happy to celebrate dads and being a dad and celebrating our dads. Good stuff there. So, all right, guys, we have time for one last thing today. And while it's an overall sad story, there was a shooting at an Alabama church. Just just horrific. Uh, that It left three older worshipers dead. Um, a horrible story. But there was a hero involved. This is incredible. When you look at the mugshot of the gentleman who... Uh, well, I shouldn't call him a gentleman of the dirtbag who shot these people. Um, he has a huge black eye and a 70 something year old worshiper who was not shot, but was there, stopped the attacker with a folding chair and just whacked him over the in the face with it and ended up actually disarming him. So incredible, incredible uh, heroics there in the face of a horrible situation. Yeah, I mean, man, a folding chair is first of all that's that's a rough tool yeah. and a bold thing for an, an old oh, individual yeah. uh, to get up and and do that. So props to people who are willing to stand up and and fight. Well, anybody who grew up in church knows we've been putting away those folding chairs for years. <laughs> yes. So to know to know that they have a good <laughs> they're a good weapon. Yeah, uh, he probably knows his way around those chairs. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, prayers up to that church community and those families there. A, a horrible, a horrible tragedy. But good to see uh, uh, just incredible selfless action there on the part of that uh, that one worshiper. So uh, prayers there. But that's all the time we have for today. As always, go ahead on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe to the Quick Start Podcast. God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.